Welcome to the Binge Eating to Food Freedom podcast with Katie Papo. Our mission is to share the simplest and most peaceful system for food freedom in the world with people who suffer from binge eating, food addiction, and compulsive overeating. We are here to show that with the right strategy and support, any committed, coachable, and resourceful individual can feel peaceful and free with food. Hey guys. So first of all, happy Wednesday for those of you who will be joining live today. Um, Today, what I really wanted to talk about is this theme of control, because really what is binge eating about? It's, It's oftentimes this rebellion to trying to control. And then what do we do after we binge? Then we crave even more control because we feel so out of control. And what I've noticed in, you know, just working with so many people on this, this one issue is that control is always at the bottom of everything. <laughs> um, and and I, I did want to preface this talk by saying um, this is not a band-aid. Uh, nothing that we teach or train people in is a Band-Aid solution. So I just wanna put that out there that everything that we're talking about today and everything honestly that we talk about all the time, the way it works is through your own personal practice. So, and I tell this to our students all the time for those of you who are listening. Um, Hey, Teresa, I'm happy to see you here. Uh, If you guys, whoever's here, let me know in the comments so I can can say hello to you. one of the things that I've I've noticed is that a lot of people, you know, who who struggle the longest are really looking at ending binge eating only from a theoretical perspective. But without the actual practical applications and the practice, everything will stay the same. And um and control, the, the reason control relates to that is because the one, number one problem that I hear from people is I'm desperately seeking control. I feel so out of control and this is the biggest problem. And it's this combination, sorry, I'm gonna turn off my phone. Um, and it's this combination of being out of control but still desperately seeking control. So it's this cycle of I feel so out of control, I feel so out of control, And then the binge comes and then, oh my God, I'm so out of control. I really need to start controlling myself because if I don't control myself, I'm going to gain all this weight. I'm going to be miserable. My internal organs will suffer. I'm going to be obsessed with food all the time. I'm not going to be present with my family, friends, work. Um, And it really holds us back from living life. But it's really also this this control that I've noticed, at least with our clients, um, for those of you guys who are listening, that control is actually a theme that runs throughout their life. And I saw this in myself. I have, you know, for those of you who know me, you know that my personality, my natural kind of state, if I were to not do any, you know, self-work or self-improvement or any of that kind of stuff, my natural state is just super type A, super ambitious, wanting to control the world, wanting to control all of these outcomes. And and being the most miserable when something feels outside of my control. So for me, binge eating, it wasn't just that I was experiencing all of that, you know, darkness from the from the binges and the shame and the guilt and all of those things. Really what it was, it was like, why can't I control this? Like, it's why is this so out of my control? And I was asking myself those questions. Um, yay, hey, Mary, hey, Amy, I'm so happy to see you guys. I'm glad you're here. So, um, and and a lot of us, right? We we work together, and we're we're still working together. And a lot of us, we have that same theme of I just want to feel like I'm in control of something. And when we binge, it's like this total out of control feeling. So it feels really out of alignment with who we naturally are. In fact, a lot of the people who we work with, they feel in control of all these other areas of their life. They feel in control of their career. They feel in control of their finances. They feel in control of their relationships. Like everything feels relaxed. Um, But then the binging is like totally outside of how we naturally are. (laughs) So if you're like a person who really thrives in feeling in control and empowered in your life, it's even more devastating to have this one area of your life that feels wildly out of control. So I wanted to discuss this theme of control today. And 
this lesson is probably one of the most lesson, one of the most important lessons I've ever learned personally. Um, and it's something that I'm still learning, uh, except now it's just manifesting in different ways. Instead of with food, I'm now seeing the same themes come up in other areas of my life, like relationships or work. And um, I've never approached, you know, before kind of doing this work, I'd never approached this idea of control in this way. So I want to share this with you guys, especially for those of you who consider yourselves to be over ambitious and, you know, those kind of like classic overachiever type A people. This is probably going to resonate with you a lot because, you know, the theme of control is so prevalent in those personalities. So the first thing that I think is important to acknowledge is the common response, right? Because we want to look at what, in order to understand what works, we also need to understand what doesn't work and why. Um, so really the common response to feeling out of control around food is to then, you know, practice these repeated attempts at control through willpower. So you might try to control your eating by going on a certain diet or seeing a nutritionist who says you should only eat A, B, and C and cut out X, Y, and Z. Um, it could also be, I'm only gonna eat between these times. So we try to place these external parameters of control on ourselves. And um, because, you know, especially a lot of the personalities that tend to struggle with binge eating, they, they have really strong will. So they rely on that strong will also known as willpower, to try to make those changes, to try to control those things. Now, the problem with willpower is that willpower is something that will always run out at a certain point when we overuse it. Um, and you guys might even know about like Steve Jobs, for example, he's kind of notorious for that turtleneck outfit. And when he was interviewed about it, he said, I need to just eliminate as many decisions as I can because I don't want to get decision fatigue by the end of the day. And the same kind of thing can happen with willpower. If you think of it more like a muscle rather than an inexhaustible resource, then what happens is you realize that if even if you're lifting something light, like if I lifted this my phone over and over and over again, right, it's so light, I feel like I could do this forever. But after a while, it's gonna, just my arm alone is gonna start to feel really heavy. And the same sort of thing happens with willpower, which is one of the main reasons why so many people report being good all day and then binging at night or binging later. So, so that's usually gonna be a result, right? Of your, your willpower is gonna be the strongest at the beginning of the day, but then towards the end of the day, it starts to peter off until then we rebel into this binge. So I'm gonna pose a couple questions here right now to get your gears turning for yourself. So the first question is what can you control? And what can't you control? And this is going to be one of the most important questions, which I'm going to follow up with an even better question in a second. But this is going to be one of the most important questions that you can start asking yourself now. Because what I've noticed is that a lot of the people who struggle with binge eating, especially the people who have been struggling with this year after year, and they're trying the same sort of things, it, it seems like, oh, I've tried everything. But really, you've just tried like 50 versions of diets, right? Or or 50 different therapists, but maybe diets and therapy weren't the actual things. So, so the idea here is you wanna step back from everything that you know and everything that you've tried and just start from square one right now, okay? Blank slate. Let's just look at what can you actually control and what can't you control. And I wanna reframe even this sentence into this. What are you responsible for and what are you not responsible for? And the reason I use the word responsible instead of the word control and why I've sort of shifted this in my own brain is because with my own past understanding of control, I kind of associate it with that like feeling like trying to hold on to something and like, you know, really not trusting, right? There's not, there's no trust. With, with that, when you're trying to control something that feels uncontrollable, there's very little trust. And control can, can often, um, just that word alone can be associated with like more of that white knuckle willpower rather than like a peaceful experience. So what I wanna sort of shift that to right now is to ask, okay, what are you responsible for and what are you not responsible for? And we're gonna go through a few things here 
to determine from this blank slate, okay, what are you responsible for? What are you not responsible for? Another way of saying that is what can you control and what can't you control? Because when we're really clear on that, then we no longer waste energy on the, the things that we can't control. Does that make sense? Because when you're when you're embarking on such a journey as ending disordered eating, especially if you've been dealing with this for multiple decades, then what needs to happen is you need to know very specifically what to focus on and what to not focus on at all. Because what happens and what I see oftentimes for people with people who are struggling, it's because they're focused on things that they can't control and they keep trying to control things that they're never going to be able to control, which makes them miserable. So instead, when we shift people to focus on things that they actually can be responsible for, things that they actually can control, then they become so empowered and it only takes like a day or a week in order to like hit that really big first milestone because they're actually focusing their energy where it matters now, where they can be responsible. So I want to go through a few core areas that I find that most people who struggle with binge eating struggle with. And while we go through those things, we'll explore which parts we can control and which parts we can't. So that way, you know exactly where to place your focus. Okay. So the first thing, let's talk about weight. <laughs> weight, such a loaded, uh, loaded emotional topic for a lot of us. Um, now, weight is something that a lot of people are under the illusion that they can control this. Right. And I hear people all saying all the time, I need to control my weight. Um, my problem isn't that I can't lose weight. I've lost weight many, many times. My problem is I can't maintain my weight. Now, the obvious thing to me, I mean, it wasn't always obvious to me. I was in that exact same boat. So, you know, no judgment here at all. But the, the big thing here is that we cannot actually control our weight. I know that that's going to be an unpopular idea <laughs> with a lot of people, but it's actually not, we cannot control it. Like if you stand on the scale and you try with all of your might to control what you weigh, it will not work. Okay. The weight is a side effect of other things that are more controllable. For example, um, the, your exercise, your eating, your sleeping, your stress levels. Those are things that are going to be more controllable, things that you actually can take responsibility for. You can take responsibility for the health of your food, for your exercise, the your sleep, your stress. Those are things that you can take more responsibility. But the weight, because that's a side effect of all of those, all of that collection of other things, then the weight is not the actual controllable piece. Therefore, you don't need to be responsible for monitoring your weight. Rather, it's going to be much more helpful to focus on the things that you can be responsible for, which is going to go more in align with your lifestyle choices. The weight is only a symptom of those things, right? The weight will follow, you know, whatever your lifestyle, whatever your habits are. So when we focus so heavily on weight and on the scale, it makes us feel oftentimes really hopeless, right? Because we can't control it. I've seen some people post um, in our free group, um, hey, I've been, I've been um, uh, eating healthy for the last three days. I've been exercising for the last week and the scale hasn't moved. What's the point in any of this, right? So when we focus only on the thing that we cannot control, like the scale or our weight, then it becomes so discouraging when we don't see what we want right away, right? So instead, what we need to do is, is shift that focus entirely to just the habits. And if we then can release that obsession with the weight, and we kind of like take that out of our heads and out of our, you know, out of our focus, then we can have so much more... Um, control because we are focused on the things that we we can actually take responsibility for. Does that make sense? That's one example. Another example is urges. And of course, by urges, I mean binge urges or um, the urge to like um, eat mindlessly or eat emotionally or have a big binge or however it tends to look like for you. Like we're talking about that urge, the urge to eat a specific food. So urges 
are also something that are largely out of our control, right? I can't control if I have a craving for a food, right? I can't control if I have an urge, but what can we control? We can control our responses to urges. However, what I see people doing a lot is trying to, um, are, are so afraid of urges coming and it causes all this mental havoc and all of this inner chaos because there's so much fear around urges coming. And there's so, there's so much time worrying about that and ruminating about that. Oh, I hope I don't binge. I hope I don't binge. I hope I don't have a craving. You know, all of those things come up. And what happens is when we're focused on that, we're focused on what we can't control. We can't control those things. We can't control when that feeling comes. But what we can do is we can work on our response to that. So our entire program, for example, isn't about telling people, you know, how to um, stop urges from coming. Instead, what we do is we teach people how to respond to urges. So that way, over time, we stop feeding that same loop in the brain and then the urges kind of disappear gradually on their own. Um, so again, just like the weight, it's a side effect versus the actual thing that you're responsible for. The thing that you're responsible for isn't deciding, you know, will an urge come or not? We can't be responsible for that. But what we can be responsible for is training ourselves to respond to those urges in a way that elevates you and in a way that progresses you forward. So does that make sense? I'm going to give another example. Um, negative thoughts and feelings. So negative thoughts and feelings, you know, we can't always control the thoughts that pop in our head. We can train ourselves to think in certain ways. That's something that we can be responsible for and, and are responsible for. We're responsible for the, for the way we think. But when we have um, negative thoughts and feelings come, a lot of times they're just coming right from our subconscious mind. They're just coming of this old residue of things that we've told ourselves over and over. It's an automatic um, response. It's an automatic response. So we can't necessarily, and I see a lot of people you know, thinking negatively and then beating themselves up for thinking negatively. Oh, I can't believe I'm beating myself again. I always do this. So it's this cycle of beating yourself because you're beating yourself. And that can feel like a very out of control loop. So the idea is what do we shift? What do we look at? What's the thing that we can actually control? We can control our response to the negative thoughts. So I'll just give you an example of, of, you know, a simplified version of how we do that is we actually allow all of those thoughts and feelings to come. Instead of pushing them away, we actually allow them to be there, but we practice our response to them. We practice having a peaceful response, a productive response to them. Because then those negative thoughts and feelings are no longer a hindrance. They're no longer the thing that stops you from progressing. They're the things that actually will help you progress. And it's the same with urges. Um, I never, whenever our clients have the urge to binge, I never see that as a failure. I actually see that as a practice opportunity because if those urges didn't come, then they wouldn't have the opportunity to practice their response. And the way that we build that new brain, we talk about brain training a lot here. The way we build that new brain is to have that repetitive practice of response. That's how it works. It's through the repetition. Does that make sense? Um, this is another one. I want to give you guys another example of things that we can't control. And this is a really important one. What people think and say. What other people, and I should say what, uh, what other people think and say, right? We Can we control this? <laughs> no, we can't. And I'll give you guys like a, um, a personal example, a little bit outside of food, but it's the same exact essence. Um, when I decided to first start, you know, showing up on Facebook going live, I had a lot of anxiety around that because I had a lot of experience in the past giving live workshops and things like that. But when you're giving live workshops, like everyone's contained, like you can see faces, you can, you know, interact with the people, you can see facial expressions. I had a lot of fear 
um, over just being here and kind of talking to myself. <laughs> because even though I know you guys are watching, to me, I'm like looking at myself. And this was really out of my comfort zone. And I had this fear that if I didn't do a good job because I'm out of my comfort zone here, I am right now out of my comfort zone. If I had that fear that if I did that, then people would judge me or, or I wouldn't be, um, people would think I wasn't articulate enough or people would think I wouldn't know what I was talking about or people would think that there was something wrong with me in some way. Now, this, this thought of worrying about what people would think and say, it was really uh, paralyzing me for a while because I was, and, and this is, you know, a lot of times if we were to connect this to binge eating, this is what paralyzes people from wanting to go out in public a lot of time. I don't want people to see how much weight I've gained because of what they'll think about me. It's like we stop ourselves from doing what we're meant to do or doing what we want to do because we're afraid of what other people would think and say. And something that I learned, and it was actually a really great opportunity for me, even though it was a little bit painful, was I remember I wrote a post and I was actually like super proud of this post. And I, you know, explained like I really like I went back and edited it like five times. It took me several hours and I wrote this really what I thought was a fa fabulous post. And I got a bunch of great comments. But then there was somebody who posted um, it was it was like a troll kind of comment, like. Um, you're a scam artist, blah, blah, blah. It was like something that was hurtful, but was founded in nothing because this was a stranger who I never met before. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, I put so much control into this post and yet I still got a troll. <laughs> and that's kind of what I've seen from just putting myself on the internet is no matter what I do or how I show up, yeah, there are going to be tons of people who are loving and supportive and who reach out and say, hey, that was really helpful. But there's also going to be like trolls and I can't control what people think and say. But when I was trying mentally, even though I knew intellectually, obviously I can't control other people. But I was like I was paralyzing myself because I was saying, well, maybe if I write it this way, then no one's going to get mad. Or maybe if I write it this way, then I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. And then I realized that no matter how much I would try to plan in advance, you can't control how people interpret what you say. You can't control how people view you or judge you. Um, and, and it's the same idea is, you know, I see so many people holding themselves back saying things like, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll take a beach vacation once I lose the weight because I don't want anyone to see me in a bathing suit. Right. And, and a lot of this is, you know, we, we try to control what, we try to control ourselves in order to control what other people will think and say. But the reality is we're never responsible for what other people think and say. We're, we can only be responsible of what we think of ourselves. That's it. <laughs> That's really it. Um, one of my favorite things that I've really learned is that what other people think of me is, is not my business. Um, and, and it's a, it's a, it's easier said than done. <laughs> I'll definitely say that. But again, it comes with the practice. So what we can do is we can acknowledge, okay, I'm I'm seeing myself kind of trying to mentally control what others think of me by, you know, changing this or that. But when we release that control, then what do, then what's left to focus on? If we're no longer thinking about what other people think about us, what's left to focus on? Ourselves. And amazingly enough, when we focus on ourselves, that's when we make the most progress. We don't make progress when we're so preoccupied with what other people think. Does that make sense? Um, so what all this really boils down to is that you're only responsible for how you respond. Um, and there's this beautiful little metaphor that I heard years ago I, I, and I've tried, I've tried to look up where I, where I first saw it, but I can't find it. So I always butcher it a little bit every time, <laughs> but it's this idea of somebody who's walking through the woods 
and everything on the ground is like very sharp and prickly. So what does he try to do? He puts down like a strip of leather. Actually, let's make that cruelty free. He puts down a strip of vegan leather. Um, he puts down a strip of vegan leather every time he takes a step because he doesn't want to step on the thorns. He doesn't want to step on the on the prickly, those little prickly balls you see in California. He doesn't want to step on anything prickly. So he puts down a step every time. So how long is it going to take him to walk through the forest if he's trying to control like the environment. Instead, if we focus on controlling ourselves and we look at what can I change in myself, put on shoes. <laughs> then you can just walk freely. You don't have to worry about covering every single challenge that you see. Instead, you just put on shoes so you can walk freely. And this is the same concept here, is when you accept responsibility for your internal landscape, your internal world, then everything outside of you starts to shift because you're now looking at the world differently and you're making choices based on the things that you can control and that you are responsible for versus the things that you're actually not responsible for. So for example, um, I'll give you guys, cause I know a bunch of our clients are listening right now. So let me give you guys an example. Um, Oh, I love that, Mary. I just interrupt myself. Mary just wrote, my mom always said, people who mind don't matter and people who matter don't mind. <laughs> and that's the idea is we also want to build, you know, that that same sort of mentality towards ourselves, that mentality of compassion. And when we shift our attention toward our inner world, then we're going to really get all of the insights we need to fix whatever problem that we have. I, one of my coaches, whenever I have like an emotional response to something, she's like, oop, that's where we're going to do your inner work. So, so you're, you're going to, you can use the external world to kind of let you know what you need to work on within yourself, but all of the work is still done within yourself. So let me give an example. So we teach, uh, instead of teaching, we never teach people to eat certain foods or to not eat certain foods. We don't have a single diet or exercise component in our program, for example. So we're not telling people, um, try to control your diet like a nutritionist would say. Instead, what we're focusing on is the actual relationship between you and food and you and yourself. And really, the relationship between you and food actually is the relationship between you and yourself because it's not the food doing any of the thing, any of the things. Like the food doesn't have the power, right? If chocolate had power, it would control the world. It would have power over everyone. But if it's only you, right, then it's not the chocolate. It's your thoughts about the chocolate. It's your reaction to the chocolate, right? It's not the actual chocolate. If it was the chocolate, then it would affect every person the same way. But we know that that's, that's not the case. So instead of trying to take the chocolate out of the house or never eat chocolate again or write a new year's resolution i'm not going to have chocolate for the year instead of doing all that what we can focus on to have real healing rather than like band-aid healing is is to um is to just focus on your reaction to the chocolate so for example the one of the first things that we teach people is when you're um, when you're around a trigger, you're going to notice differences in your breathing. Your breathing will change when you're feeling triggered. Think about it. The fight or flight response, what happens when we're feeling stressed about something? What happens? The heart rate starts to speed up. Our breathing speeds up and gets more shallow. What happens when we're relaxed? Heart rate goes down. Breathing is nice and slow and smooth. Right. So let's say you have this um, trigger reaction. What's going to happen to your breathing? <laughs> but what can you control? What are you responsible for? Excuse me. What can you actually control in that situation? You can control your breathing. Breathing happens automatically, but it's also something you can control. So one of the first things that we teach people is how to slow your breath down. You can do that on your own command. That's something you can be responsible for. And when you give yourself that space, then you can start to see things more clearly. And one of the experiments that we have our clients do, like right in the very beginning, is um, we have them, and you can practice this at home, 
you can actually try this. You can take out like five or six different foods from your cabinet, have them in front of you, and you know, have some of them be foods that like you you never crave, you don't even really think about, and then have like a couple triggers that that are usually like those things that you're afraid, afraid to start eating because you're afraid you can't stop. So you have like those different varieties of those foods. You just hold them up or you you bring them maybe to your mouth or something and you just notice what happens to your breath. Just notice. And what tends to happen is the things that we're afraid of, our breath is either going to start speeding up or it's going to just stop altogether. You're going to hold your breath. But when we're relaxed, the breath is much more long, deep, calm. So you can already, just with that little single tool of breath, start to see how your internal reactions can happen like that. So what we wanna do, if we're gonna take responsibility for our internal reactions, what we really need to do is sort of slow down time, add space. So that breathing, for example, it adds space. It adds space to observe, it adds space to calm down, it adds space to give ourselves the chance to think, Right. Whereas if we're just operating, operating out of autopilot, it feels so much more out of control because everything's just happening automatically as it's always happened. There's a, uh, an author speaker um, who I met many years ago. His name is Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he um, has written a number of books on how you change your mind, how you even change your personality, how how you how all of these things are like optional <laughs> when we think of them as things we can't control. There, we actually are in complete control and full responsibility of those things. Um, and and one of the things that he says is, you know, ninety. I can't remember the exact number, but it was like between ninety and ninety-five percent of the thoughts that you think today are the thoughts that you've thought yesterday and they're coming out of autopilot. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm, we're recording this now in the new year. And I think a lot of people have that um, illusion that once the new year hits, I'm going to think differently. Everything's going to be different. Uh, it's going to be a fresh start. But without doing the internal work, it's still just going to be the same thoughts that are coming in all the time, that piece that we can't control. And But then when we accept responsibility for making those changes within our internal landscape, that's when we can start to make those shifts. It's completely possible. And we see it happen all the time. And it doesn't just happen with binge eating. It can happen in a number of different areas. It can happen in basically any area of your life. So the idea here is we really want to focus on what you are responsible for, not what you're not responsible for. Therefore, when you let go of the things that you're not responsible for, like let's say you're no longer focused on your weight, or then, then the scale is no longer a drama in your life. You don't even need it anymore because you know that's just going to be a side effect of the habits. So if we redirect all that energy that was going toward the scale and we redirect it toward just habits and habit forming and habit building, then you have all of this energy going to something that you actually are responsible for and can control. Does that make sense? Um, when it comes to urges, if you're focused all of your energy on, oh, I hope I don't have an urge later. I hope I don't have a craving when I go to this event. I hope I don't want to eat late at night. You know, those are the things that you can't control. The urges, you can't control those, especially like... Um, especially if that's what's been coming up for you every single day. What can we control then? Instead of, instead of directing all of that energy toward worry and anticipation, what if we directed all of that energy toward allowing the urges to come, but practicing what to do when the urges are there and practicing the new response? Because then what happens to the brain? It learns a brand new response. And the first time it learns it, it's going to be the hardest, right? But as it repeats, it becomes easier and easier and easier, just like riding a bike. When you first get on a bike, it's like, whoa, it's scary. It feels out of control. But then if you instead of focusing on, you know, I hope I don't fall, I hope I don't fall, you don't focus on that. The worst <laughs> teacher in the world <laughs> probably wouldn't tell you don't fall because because every, everybody knows what you need to focus on is pedaling, is steering. 
So if, if you're trying to focus on don't fall, you can't really control that. What you can control is, are you focused on pedaling? Are you focused on steering? Are you focused on the po your posture on your bike? You know, those are the things you can control. And the more you learn to control those things and you focus your energy just on those things that you can control, then it's going to be much less likely that you will fall. Does that make sense? And that's the same. It happens the same thing with the weight and the urges too. The more you feel, um, the more you 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 take that responsibility and you control the habits and you build up those helpful habits, you don't need to worry about controlling your weight anymore because the weight's just gonna it's it's just a um, a side effect of those habits. So if the habits are strong and they're healthy, the weight's gonna naturally come off. It's not something you need to try to control. Same thing with the urges. You don't need to try to control them, stopping them from coming. If you take all of that energy and all that worry, all that worry energy, which takes up so much energy, and you just put that on the reaction to the urge and you practice your new reaction, then what happens? What happens? Then eventually the brain is so used to responding to the urges peacefully that then when an urge comes, it's not even, the, the worry doesn't come up anymore. Oh, I know what this is. I know how to deal with this. This is no problem. It becomes just normal. And then when it's no longer a big deal, when it's no longer this drama that lives in your brain, then the urges stop coming up because you're not feeding that fire. Think of how fires burn, literally. Think of how fires burn, literally. If you throw a log into the fire, it's going to keep growing. It's going to get bigger, right? If you stop feeding the fire, is it going to go out immediately? No, it won't. It's going to keep burning, just like with the urges. The urges will keep coming, right? It's, even if you stop feeding them, it's going to keep coming just because it's already a strong fire that's burning. But when you just focus on controlling the reaction by no longer throwing those logs into the fire, and instead you just throw in a little bit of water, little bit of water, little bit of water, little bit of water, What's going to happen over time is eventually that fire is going to go out very naturally. Does that make sense? So this is the idea, guys, um, is when you're focused on control, it can be helpful only if <laughs> you're focusing on things that are actually within your control. And the crazy thing that I've learned <laughs> is that there's actually very little that we can control. But the good news is, is all of those, that little parameter of things that we can control, that's enough. All you need to do is focus on yourself. You don't need to focus on anybody else except yourself. And that's the beauty of it, is all the changes that you need, they are already within you. Even if they're dormant now, they are already within you. And now it's just about taking the responsibility to go through the process that's gonna help you access all of those tools that are already within you. They're already part of you. Everybody, I believe everybody has the ability to eat naturally, normally, and peacefully because that's, the, that's what we were born with. Babies, without anyone telling them to, they cry when they're hungry and they refuse to eat when they're full. That's how babies operate. We've all had this capacity it's within everybody. It's just a question of whether you can access it or not. And one of the things that takes away our access to that is diet mentality, dieting, because then there's no emphasis on listening to the body. Like a baby would cry because they notice hunger signals, right? And then they start crying because that that's, you know, unpleasant. They want to be fed. Now, dieting, what it does is it takes away that element of listening. Instead, it's trying to control the body, trying to manipulate it. And the body tends to have a negative response to that, which is one of the main reasons why when a lot of people, when they lose weight, they gain it back almost immediately. And this can happen a number of times throughout a lifespan. So the idea is instead of focusing on um, 
instead of focusing on the things that you can't cannot control to focus on the things that you can control and to take responsibility for those things responsibility is a whole different um a whole different topic and it's an important one because a lot of the times what holds us back is just we're not taking responsibility for things that we can control and we're instead focusing all of our energy on you know where we're the victim and where we were wronged and all those things but if we really want progress we can't waste our energy and dwell on those things and try to control others or what people think of you or anything like that instead what we need to do is just direct all of the attention within and use what we have within us to create the changes that we want to make focusing on the things that you absolutely can control and this is why you know sometimes and in, in when people join our program they say should i weigh myself should i not weigh myself and we talk it through has there ever been a benefit to you weighing yourself? And when they really look at it, they're like, well, no, because it's not something I can ever control. It's something that I dread. It's something that I worry about. And if I lose weight, then I'm miserable. If I gain weight, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can cheat then a little bit today. So it like never really works. <laughs> and it's also something that's never really controllable, right? So focus on the habits, focus on the internal changes, focus on the things and, and accept responsibility that you can change so much, but all of it has to be within you. We can't control the world. We can't control others. But when we focus on ourselves, that's where we're, the biggest changes can really be made. So um, thank you guys, by the way, for showing up today. It was a nice, I see that we had a nice group. And I'm happy to see you guys, um, Amy, Mary, I'm really happy to see you. Uh, someone just asked a question. So what do I tell myself when I have an urge to binge? So this is something that um, we've actually done an entire talk on. I've actually also written um, multiple posts on this. So if you haven't joined my email list, I definitely suggest you do because we talk about this a lot. But to simplify and summarize, the urge to binge and by the way, can I just remind everyone, this is not a Band-Aid. The theory will not help you. Repeated practice is what will help you. So I just want to let you know that an aha moment will not make the change. It's the repetitive practice that will make the change. So I want to preface it with that. But when you have an urge to binge, first of all, the, the most important thing is to know what that is. Okay? Knowing what, knowing what an urge is. What's an urge? It's a thought and sometimes a physical feeling accompanied by a thought. So basically it's thoughts and feelings, right? So thoughts and feelings, whether it's an urge or it takes a different form, they're not controllable in the fact that we can't prevent them from coming. So when an urge comes, the first step is to allow it. You allow it to be there. You accept that it's there, okay? And just that allowing alone how can we allow something peacefully? We have to practice being able to be with it peacefully. So how can you practice being peaceful in an uncomfortable situation? Because really what that boils down to is you're saying an urge is an uncomfortable situation for me. How do I deal with that? So the first thing is to practice getting comfortable being uncomfortable. So, so the first step is to allow, allow it to be there, let it be there, be with it, acknowledge what it is. It cannot hurt you. It's just a thought. And then give yourself some space because when that urge comes, your old habit, most likely, your old habit of panic will set in, right? Oh my God, it's an urge. Uh, I hope I don't binge. Oh my God, got to distract myself, right? That panic comes up. So the first thing is you say, okay, I'm going to allow this to be here and I'm just going to calm myself. So that way, whatever decision I make right now, I'm going to do it from a calm place, Okay, so how do we make ourselves calm? We work through the physiology. We slow the breathing down, we relax the muscles, we calm ourselves completely. Then once we're in a calm state, then we can look at it, right? How, how effective is it to problem solve when you're panicked? You know, that's like the worst possible way to problem solve is when we're panicked. The best solutions come when we're in a calm state. So the first thing you do is you make yourself in a calm state and then you get to look at it. And you might notice that the urge is coming up because you're hungry. You might ask the question, am I physically hungry right now? Maybe sometimes the answer will be yes. Oftentimes the answer is no. Okay, next question. So if I'm not hungry, but I'm having this urge, what is it that 
I really need right now? What is it that I really want right now? And you keep yourself in that peaceful and calm state while you just listen for the answer. The answers will be different each time. Um, though you might notice themes within yourself. So for some people, I've noticed the theme is rest, that they notice themselves craving um, craving that, that eating habit when they're just really tired, right? So if you, if you so let's say, let's use that as an example. So let's say um, the, the urge to binge comes, you acknowledge it, you're like, okay, that's an urge, just a thought, that's fine, I'm just gonna let it be here, it's not me, it's just visiting. So let me just be peaceful while it's here and just observe. Okay, so you get yourself into your calm state. Then you ask, am I physically hungry? No. What is it that I really need? Rest. Oh, okay, rest. So let me, I'm not going to tell myself I can't eat. I'm not going to restrict myself. But let me just give myself what I actually need right now in any amount. So you might take a nap. You might, if that's, if you don't have time for that, you might just sit there, breathe deeply, close your eyes, give yourself some physical rest. And at that point, then you then it just follows. It's it's um, one of the, the one of the big problems that I see with a lot of you know coaching and advice out there is that it it tries to be a little too formulaic in like in a quick fixy kind of way. Like oh well, if you experience a binge, just call a friend or just drink some water or just go outside. But really, that's still avoidance because you're not actually dealing with the urge. You're just trying to like do different things that are going to take your mind off of it. So instead, what is going to be the most helpful is to change your relationship to the urge, to change your thought process around the urge. Because if you have the experience, and this is where the practice comes in, if you have the experience enough times where you see the urge, you sit with the urge, you practice being peaceful around the urge, then guess what? Now, whenever an urge comes, you will have an automatic peaceful reaction instead of an automatic panic reaction. And what do we do when we panic? Oh, I need to eat. I need to calm myself down with food, right? Does it really work? No, we all know that. But it, it does give that instant gratification. So instead, when you're training your mind and you're training your body to actually relax in the face of an urge, and instead of getting judgmental of you shouldn't be that way or don't do that, you know, instead, when we just get inquisitive, hmm, what do I really need right now? We can access that state when we're calm. So the first step is always going to be to bring yourself into a calm state. That practice alone, you will see shifts. You will see shifts. You know, you can see it immediately, but you can. But it's also something that builds in time because in the beginning, you tell yourself be calm, but they're still like, I'm still afraid of the urge. But once you've experienced an urge or a craving enough times and had a calm response because you've chosen to practice calm, then what happens? Your brain starts to be trained in a new way. Then when a craving comes, the brain's still relaxed. Ah, a craving's here. And then you can start to look at it instead of an enemy, you, you just look at it as a messenger. Huh, that's unusual. Hmm, what is it that I really need right now? And then you focus in and you ask. And then with that practice, it comes. And then you can give yourself what you actually need. And then what does that kind of build up to? That's the habit of self-care. Is when the body or the mind gives out this like message, like I need to engage in this destructive behavior of whatever, whether it's food or any other addiction. When we build in that pattern of calm and the mind gets used to that and we're reacting to all of these things calmly, then we have all of this space to ask questions, to be curious, to learn something about that, to, about ourselves. And with that, then we start to see patterns. It's something that happens over time. So the first step is going to be to practice that calm. Then the second step is to start asking smart questions. Um, and most people ask themselves really unhelpful questions. Unhelpful questions might look like, why is this happening to me? What's wrong with me? Am I broken? Why is this so hard? These are like the worst questions you can ask yourself. I should do a talk on questions alone because this is such an important topic. But even just the questions that you ask yourself um, are, are going to make a big difference. Um, because if you're asking yourself, like, why is this so hard? What are you going to get? A whole list of things of why this is hard. But if you ask a different question, if you notice that urge to binge and you say, 
how can I make myself more peaceful right now? Oh, okay. I realized my shoulders were up here. Let me just relax them down. How can I make myself calmer? Oh, I'll slow my breathing down. So, so asking those those um, helpful questions to guide you more towards understanding the message behind the urge rather than just like seeing the urge as the enemy and running from it or trying to fight it. We don't teach any of that stuff. The running, the fighting, none of it. The whole beat the binge, whatever. We don't do any of that. It's not about beating it. It's about understanding it and using it to help you actually advance and to help you actually progress. We can't progress if we're not looking at it. We have to look at it and running from it or fighting it is not looking at it. It's not trying to understand it. But we can, when we understand it and we look at it from this place of calm, this place of compassion, this place of curiosity, then we actually start to learn. Then the urges, they're no longer something to be dreaded. Then they become learning and practice tools. If someone goes through our program and they don't have urges, I get worried <laughs> because I know they need to have practice. Rarely happens, <laughs> but, but I know that they need to have practice. I want people when they work with us, I want people to experience urges and cravings because that's where the practice happens. So to answer this question, which is a wonderful question, what do I tell myself when I have the urge to binge? So the first thing, right, is to, is to, tell you is to remind yourself this is not an enemy this is not something i need to fight or flee from this is not an emergency what is it it's a message that's coming in the form of an urge so if i can get myself calm and i can get myself quiet and i can ask myself thoughtful questions that are going to serve me and help me learn something from this message then this will be a uh, uh, an experience that's going to help me progress on the path, not keep me in the loop. Does that make sense? So what it really boils down to is it's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of looking at urges. We don't look at urges or cravings as enemies or something to be feared. We look at them as helpful messengers that when we really stop and we look at them and we ask proper questions in a peaceful way and a compassionate and curious way, that can lead to some of our biggest breakthroughs. I hope that answers that question. It's a wonderful question. So you're very welcome. You're very, very welcome, Teresa. So thank you guys again um, for being here. Wonderful questions. I always love to hear from you. And um, if you guys listen to the replay, just let me know you're listening to the replay and you can write your questions below and I'll do my best to answer those as well. And as always, this is also gonna be on our podcast, which is, um, Binge Eating to Food Freedom. You can find it on any podcast app. We just started doing that um, at the end of last year. So it's a it's it's new, but we're but we're showing up every single Wednesday, 9:30 a.m. Eastern. We're showing up on Facebook and it's going to be uploaded to the podcast after that. So have a beautiful rest of your week, guys. I'll see you next Wednesday and um, be well. Be well. Bye.